Hello, my name's Gary. And my name's Simon. And this is episode 30 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today, we'll be looking at the major apps you can use to help you identify, locate and track charge points. Before we get started, I want to ask you, Simon, what are your thoughts on the Sony concept car? Yeah, so um, I, I say concept is a key word here. So this one took me a little bit by surprise, if I'm honest. Whilst I welcome any new car to the EV world, as I'm, as I'm sure you do, I, I just don't think it will actually be built or produced. The reason for it, money, I think is possibly one. So whilst Sony is you know, a large company, I don't know, they, do, they just don't seem to have the funds that, say, of Apple or Google. Even those are struggling to bring a car to the market, or they say Apple and Google have supposedly been in development, especially Apple by EV, and nothing's come to fruition. Google have kind of gone the supporting cars route. But if you look at Tesla, Tesla's proved it's you know it's a difficult process, and not sure they would succeed. But um, however, time will tell. I look at it from the point of view of this has come from absolutely nowhere. Nobody had any idea that Sony were even interested in this. And then suddenly we've got this full-blown concept out there. And I I share your scepticism. I mean, you look at, you've named a couple of companies there that have tried to go into the same space. And Tesla's about the only one that's actually managed to get a bit of a foothold. I mean, even Faraday our Future. good friends, uh, what, Faraday Future, <laughs> who've, have they got anything out? Or is it Vaporware? I think. Mm. No, actually, did they not announce something at CES this uh, this year? Or did they announce that they were going to announce something at CES I think, this year? I think they showed something, but I think they showed something that they've showed before. <laughs> and then you look at the other one, it's which is Fisker. And, you know, they've been teasing things for ages and ages and ages. And they've only just come up with a model, which they did a, a release at CES. And it's a case of, well, okay, a company like Fisker, who've got potentially the background in this, it's taken them forever to come up with it. Tesla have been in the business for 10 years. Then suddenly Sony, who are not motor vehicle manufacturers, although we have said all along that really, you know, EVs are just a battery with a big computer on top of it, really. So, you know, Sony are good at making computers. (laughs) I just don't think they've got the cash. I mean, if you think like those other ones we mentioned, like Faraday and people like that, these things are, you know, there's billions of dollars in these, not not just millions. Because I don't think, as Tesla proved, and Elon Musk himself will tell you this, it's difficult to do manufacturing if you've never done it before. Anyone, it seems, can come up with a concept car, but to actually roll that off production in mass is a completely different story. I, I think, personally, I think it's vaporware. I think it's a Sony kind of what everyone else is doing it so we should have something here and if you look at ces it's absolutely dominated by cars which is ridiculous you know if you just said that five years ago that would have been ridiculous it'd been tvs and laptops computers whatever playstations yeah, yeah. well even that i was maybe in an avid game i was like they're gonna announce the playstation 5 well they announced the playstation 5 logo and then they announced the car and i'm like what the hell <laughs> Why are you not focusing your resources on getting this PlayStation 5 out? Oh, so yeah. oh I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, great if, if they do come out. I just, I just can't see it myself. Well, fingers crossed and time will tell. Our feature topic today is apps. Not charging apps, but charger apps. There's a very subtle difference. There are lots of apps out there that help you start to charge. Just about every charge provider has one. 
They usually have maps and options to initiate and stop a charge, and we're not looking at those today. We're looking at non-specific apps that let an EV owner or driver see where any charger is and navigate there to use it. The two main apps used in the UK for identifying chargers are ZapMap and PlugShare. And in today's episode, we're going to look at these two apps, how to use them, how they compare, and when you should be using which one. Let's start by saying that apps like this are only as good as the users that update them. So that's why we recommend every time you stop at a charger, spend the first few moments after starting the charge updating either ZapMap or PlugShare, or both. This gives other users the ability to check the status of the chargers and see if there are problems. The whole objective of apps like this is twofold. In the first instance, they allow EV drivers to locate the nearest chargers that are compatible with their vehicles, and it provides addresses to allow you to navigate there. The second objective is to allow you to let people know what the status of the charger is in terms of the state of the connectors, the available charging speed, and any issue with the charger not being available, a vehicle icing it, for example. But both of these are crucial to helping EV adoption across the country. Nobody's going to take the plunge into EV ownership unless they have a level of confidence regarding the location and status of charges in their area. But furthermore, knowing that not only are these charges available, but they're also in good working order is also crucial. Both our apps today let you understand both of these different aspects of using charges. So let's go through them one at once. So, SatMap. This is Gary's favourite app in terms of user interface and the look and feel. It's web-based and has a phone app and is focused on the UK only. It has all the charge networks in it and has some really good filtering abilities. You can, for example, see all the high-powered charges in a specific area or, for example, identify all the hydrogen refilling stations in the country. All of them. Oh, every of single them. one of them. Okay. There are dozens of them. I think there's one in Wales. <laughs> and one in Scotland. Anyway. Carrying on. <laughs> it filters all the other ones out to show you just what you need. If you drive a Tesla, it allows you to select just the supercharger and Tesla destination chargers. So you can remove all the ones you aren't interested in. As with PlugShare, the main screen of that map is, surprise, surprise, a map. This is fully scrollable and zoomable, so you can see a large area, a small area, or even individual location, and check the chargers there. By clicking on charge location, you can bring up the details of the chargers and connectors there. On the app, it can use your current location to identify where you are. Nearby chargers appear as little circular icons that are colour-coded according to whether they are 3-pin, Type 2 or Rapids, and they show a blue outline if one or more of the chargers are in use. Tapping an icon brings up the details of the location, charge company, Polar Ingenia Nistabolt for instance, as well as the number of connector by type, CCS, AC and Chadimo. Tapping the icon again drills down to the connectors themselves with entries for each unit at that location. The Ingenie charger in Fleet, Hampshire, for example, will show two entries, one for each unit, with the current status of each charger, such as charging, out of action or available. You can also see when was the last time somebody actually started or stopped a charge, and it also shows whether it's currently charging and how long it is since the system was polled to get the current status. This is excellent data, so you can tell if the charges online has been used recently, which is always a good sign. At the bottom of the page are icons that take you to additional information about the charges. This includes price information, location information, payment types, so whether it's RFID, app-based or contactless, and additional information related to the location of the charger itself or any specific info you need to know about this charger. 
typical example of that is when you go into a lot of the holiday inns for the polar charges. There'll be a little message there that says, make sure you register at the reception to avoid a parking fine. A further icon at the bottom takes you to the comments section related to each charger. This allows users to update information about individual attempts and uses of the charger. This is what you would add to when you report your charge on the app. This part of the information is always my first port of call when researching chargers. If there are very few entries in here and most of them are negative, you know, charger wouldn't start, connector broken or missing, I know to give that charger a miss. To use that map when charging, bring up the charger you are at, select the connector you are using and click the thumbs up icon. This allows you to enter a small note about the charger for other users. I tend to use this to let people know if there are issues surrounding access, for instance, and also to update information about the charge speed. In the recent flooding we had here in southeast England, there was a polar charger near to me which was in a flooded car park. However, the charger was still accessible if you drove right round the outer edge of the car park, and I added this to the notes for future users. Also, I like to let people know if the charger is running slow. A lot of the original EcoTristy chargers tend to max out at under 40 kilowatt charge speed, and this is a good point to let people know. ZapMap allows you to pick a charger and navigate there from within the app. However, what it does is it selects the native mapping app on your phone, and it doesn't give you the choice of using something else such as Waze instead. What ZapMap also allows you to do is to tell it what EV you're driving, and it will give you the option to automatically select the compatible chargers for that car. If, for example, you're driving one of the earlier Renault Zoe's, it will not show any Instavolt chargers as they don't have compatible connectors for that particular vehicle. Boo. ZapMap also has a trip planner included. It's quite good, really. You can add your start and stop point along with any waypoints you have to use. You can then set up options for the range of the car, what percentage of charge you want to arrive with at each stop, what percentage you want to charge up to. It also allows you to add parameters for how far off your chosen route you will divert to find a charger and you can select specific charging networks you wish to use. The software will then take you through each leg of your journey and allow you to select chargers along the route. We'll look at the pros and cons of ZapMap in a little while. PlugShare is my favourite app. The functionality is better than ZapMap, although the usability is not quite as good. It has a web page and an app, and as with ZapMap, you can create a user profile to help use some of the functionality on it. As with ZapMap, it starts with a map and you can search within that map or use your current GPS location if you are in the app. The search functionality is quick and simple. Click the search icon, enter your search criteria, click go. Where PlugShare falls down is in the filtering abilities. PlugShare basically filters by far fewer criteria. You can't, for example, filter by charger network unless the only network you're interested in is Polar. The options are Polar or every network. <laughs> On the plus side, PlugShare is a global app and shows chargers in just about every country across the globe. This makes it much more useful when doing long, long distance traveling to places such as Southern Europe or Scandinavia. When you locate a plug, which is shown as either brown for rapid or green for other, nothing else, you can click on it and see a score for that plug. The lower the score, the less reliable it is deemed to be. You can also filter your map view to only show you plugs with a score above a certain number if you desire. Clicking the icon again displays the details of the charger. You can see photos of the charger, the location, the types of plugs, contact details, cost, etc. Everything you need is on one page. There's also a big button at the top saying check in. And this is where you can let the system, and hence other users, 
know that you're using the charger. The checking button gives you numerous options which let others know the state of the charger. You can say that you're charging, that you have charged, that you're waiting, or that there's a problem, and this updates the status immediately. PlugShare also allows you to add photos of the charger and the environment. ZapMap does this too, but the PlugShare photos are all displayed in a single place on the app or web page, whereas with ZapMap, they're buried in the comments for that particular charger, and you might have to scroll back to see them. PlugShare also gives you the option of editing the data on the charger entry. I tend to update this with the what three words location for the actual charger itself. This is useful if the charger is hidden around the back of a pub car park somewhere and not immediately obvious to the user. So there is one piece of functionality that PlugShare has which both Gary and I find useful. Alerts. For any charger on the system you can set up a number of alerts that pop up on your screen. You can be alerted when a station goes offline, when all the stations at a location are in use, when somebody posts a new photo or review, and when a station becomes available. This is very useful if you're planning a long journey with multiple stops. You set up alerts for the potential charges you want to use and get a real-time update whether the charges are in use or have become available as you drive. Obviously, this only works for those networks that provide charger status to PlugShare, this means, for example, that Ecotricity chargers can't use this functionality because Dale Vince and his cohorts there have decided not to share charger of status outside their own Ecotricity app. Boo. One of my favourite PlugShare functions is the navigation. For each charger, there is a little map showing you where the charger is. If you click that map, it brings up a slightly larger map. And at the bottom is an option to get directions. And if you click this, it pops up a menu asking you to select your preferred SatNav app of choice. This is great for folks who use Waze, for example, uh, rather than, say, Google Maps or Apple Maps. I also like PlugShare's ability to identify where the next nearest charges are if there is a problem with the one that you're using. It must be said, however, this functionality only appears on the website and not on the app. Now we've been through the two apps, let's have a look at some of the pros and cons. Right, so we've got a list of pros and cons, and let's just have a quick look through them one at once and see whether we want to make a comment about any of these. So one of the pros for ZapMap is it allows you to see the current status of every charger where data is available at the display level. So each connector shows when was the last time it was used and what the status was when it was last polled for data. I find that brilliant because I can look at a charger and go, oh, well, somebody used this, somebody finished using this three hours ago and it last pulled the unit 15 minutes ago. So I know that there's a good chance that unit's working. Yeah, I'm the same. I must admit, with ZapMap, having that as a, I suppose, a real true status for it, because generally, you know what it's like. You'll have a status on a on a charger, and it hasn't been used for a month, for instance, and you get there, and it's not working. But knowing that somebody's used it, like I said, three hours ago, or even 24 hours ago, there's a better chance that you're going to turn up and you know not have to go somewhere else or it'll be broken or something else. It certainly gives you a level of confidence, mm, doesn't it? Yeah. The other thing I like about ZapMap is that it shows all the charging networks, including hydrogen, you know, for those of you who happen to drive a, a fuel cell electric vehicle. The two hydrogen <laughs> cars in the country. And I also love the filtering mm. uh, ability on ZapMap. I mean, you can literally say, I want to see... All the AC chargers that are run by Podpoint and Ecotricity and Engini. Yeah. You can go down to that level of detail. Yeah, and it also has what I noticed when I first started driving. It was like the people that are putting their own plugs, even a three pin that is their own home charger. You can go down to 
that level as well. As long as they've added it, you can filter those as well. Yeah. I do like the route planning options as a pro on uh, ZapMap, the ability to be able to put in the level of detail that you want, and it will literally take you through step by step down to whichever charges are available on the route, and you can select those, and it will give you the the final routing. Um, I, I quite like the route planning at, um, functionality within ZapMap. Yeah, I think I've generally been using the plug here for that, but not, I suppose, not for longer distance journeys. I think ZapMap is good for, for those, but ones with, I might say, maybe one charger in between or something like that, plug, plug share is adequate, but I think ZapMap, you're right, has got a better route planning selection. If we were to look at PlugShare now, what are the pros for PlugShare? Well, I, I like the fact that it has far wider coverage than ZapMap. Although that's not to say that ZapMap is not as good an application. ZapMap is focused purely on the United Kingdom. Yeah, so you can whereas, go out like into Europe. Like, you know, if you're a, for instance, a friend of our, a friend of the, of the podcast, um, he, he went to, you know, Disney Paris. I would imagine, like, whilst he'd done that in a Tesla and probably doing it through there, if you were doing it in a normal car, you know, plug, plug share would have, you know, worked probably better than using ZapMap because of that. The other thing I like about PlugShare, uh, which I think is a good pro, is that it has a high level score for each charger, which is visible at the map level. So you can say, you know, there's three charges in the area. This one has a, a rating of 9.5 this one has a rating of 9.3 this one has a rating of 3.2 so you know you're not going to have a look at 3.2 because chances are it's not working the connector's broken or it's constantly iced and i think that's an excellent piece of functionality absolutely it's a nice clear visual looking um, item so you can literally get that quick view another pro for plug share as we mentioned a few moments ago is the alert function uh, the ability to let the system tell you so you can say i'm, I'm looking at these three charges on the way and it will say, ah, right, somebody's just started charging on that, and then somebody's finished charging on that, so you know as you get closer whether there's going to be somebody there or not. So if there is going to be somebody there, because the system has alerted, you can then go to your plan B charger, because you always have a plan B charger, remember? Yes, indeed. And actually, I, I used the plug share alert function on Sunday, driving down to, to Southend, and there was a, I think it was Chelmsford, there was a a charger, a Toby Carver, and I was like, right, that's going to become available. I can get a coffee there. And I've done it to the point where, you, because you can do that alert, and even if it's in use and you know when that alerting becomes unavailable and then becomes available, you've got that kind of time. So you kind of roughly have a good idea, unless it's being hogged, that that charger is going to be X amount of time. So if you're half an hour away from that charger, chances are you're probably still going to be able to use it. And I also like within PlugShare the ability to navigate to... A location to a specific charger using whichever sat nav app you particularly like on the phone whereas with ZapMap it is limited just to whichever the native app is on the phone so if you've got a, an android phone it will default to google maps if you've got an apple phone it will default to apple maps i like the ability to have that flexibility because i tend to use ways rather than apple maps for example yes yeah indeed that's good all right take us through some of the cons of zapmap for example some of the cons zapmap the um the user interface for filtering it isn't ideal if i want to search for somewhere i have to hit an icon to bring up the scroll menu click into the scroll bar enter my search details press enter then click an icon to exit the search menu and see the results of my search 
bit of poor design. So it's a bit of a kind of mm, could could be bad. Couldn't believe it when I saw it. <laughs> you know, oh, I want to search for something. Okay, so click right. Okay, now I'm searching. Yeah, now click the search button. Now enter. Now click for to do the actual search. Now click to remove the. What four five clicks? It's, mm. So uh, ZapMap is obviously UK only, so that uh, restricts in terms of those European travel routes, for instance. So yeah, that that could be better. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure the reason why ZapMap is only UK only, or whether they've just not branched into Europe yet. I mean, I'm, I'm I have no inside information mm. on this. It could be just the ability to gather data back because one of the the things about ZapMap is it likes to get the live data wherever possible and a lot of the the networks out in Europe potentially they don't have the deals with them or the agreements to get that data sent into uh, into ZapMap themselves so they've just said well never mind we'll just stay in UK yeah that's a good that's a good point Uh, and then um, obviously poor navigation abilities as it only uses the native mapping app on your phone so it doesn't give you those additional options to use the one you want to use. Uh, yep, that's what we talked about a few moments ago. Yep. Yeah, and then we've got uh, no ability to export route plans to other places. Yeah, that's, I don't know about you, but if you're planning something, usually, sometimes it's like, you know, either the morning or the night before you're going somewhere, but sometimes if you're planning something, you know, in the future, you want to kind of at least have that and export it somewhere. Yes, absolutely. So that just seems a very simple thing that they should be doing. Um Plug share then, poor filtering abilities from a network level, either polar chargers only or all network chargers. So it doesn't really give you the granularity that ZapMap does, which I find a shame. It's it's strange because you kind of I end up having to use both, using ZapMap for the granularity thing and then plug share I tend to use for other things. Well, that's right. I don't know about you, but generally I have a small handful of preferred suppliers or preferred charger providers, and I would very much like to be able to say, only show me Polar and Genie, Instavolt, Podpoint, for example. And I don't want to see any that aren't there unless I'm going to somewhere where I know that there are none of those charging networks actually supply, in which case I'd then like to say, well, show me all of them. You can't do that in PlugShare. You can do that in ZapMap. Yeah, indeed. So the one for both really is no Apple CarPlay or Android auto integration. This should be a no-brainer for apps which are used while driving. I'm surprised actually more don't have those type of things. Actually, I'm, I'm surprised more cars don't have those built in as a, as a standard as well. I think it's something that's becoming more commonplace with newer cars. But, you know, we've, we've talked a few moments ago about having the ability to set up within PlugShare an alert, which will then pop up on, on the phone uh, when a charger is in use. Now... If you're running CarPlay, which I tend to do because I run ways through my CarPlay, I can't actually see those alerts. Yeah, which is crazy because that's surely a safe, a safer way of doing it. Absolutely. ZapMap Route Planner is limited to three routes at the moment. Yes. As we said earlier on, I, I prefer the functionality of the ZapMap Route Planner, but I can only ever put three in at once. And if I want to put a new one in, I've got to delete one of the three that are already in there. Whereas with PlugShare, you can do more um, routes. I mean, I think I've got 30 or 40 routes planned at the moment in mind. Yeah, I'm the same like with Plugshare. I've got obviously ones from last year, but there'll be things that, or places where I'll go again, you just use the same sort of route or you can take those routes and adjust them. So it's, yeah, it just gives you that more flexibility and, and not having to go through that planning section again. For me, the simple usage of something like that, for example, I go up to see my mother 
she's 200 odd miles away. I have a set route that I take, but it varies in summer or winter because my range is so much more in, in summer. I can do it. I could do the same distance with one stop fewer. So I've got two ma- two routes that I plan, one for a winter and one for a summer, one there, one back. So instantly I've got four different routes and with ZapMap I can only use three of them. So that's a big no-no for me. All right, so let's uh, let's summarize now. If you're looking purely at the pros and cons of these two apps, then the list feels to be very heavily tilted in favor of PlugShare as the app with the fewer cons and the most pros. But as with all apps, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Use both of them and see which one works best for you. There may be something about ZapMap that puts it above PlugShare for the way you use chargers with your car. It's horses for courses. We should also say that there are other apps on the market that do similar things to PlugShare and ZapMap. One example is WhatsApp, not WhatsApp. WhatsApp, W-A-T-T-S-U-P. I like the functionality of it, but it's more a case of rather than planning a route, it's more a case of it shows you the status of all the charges that are on your route. So if you find if you suddenly need um, a charger that's if you find yourself running short on charge, you can have a quick glance at this and without having to do any planning, it will say in a scrolling and continually updated version along the app, oh yes, your nearest charger is three miles away mm-hmm. and it's an Instavolt or it's an Ingenie yeah. or it's a Polar so or it's a Hubertricity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not quite the same as ZapMap. It's not quite the same as PlugShare. But again, it has a position, a place in the, you know, the whole arena of apps. And I believe you and I also use that. We had that running when we did our thousand kilometer journey um, as alongside uh, PlugShare. A better route planner, which we've also mentioned, also allows you to do route planning and identify which charges you want to use. But it isn't meant for updating charger statuses and identifying issues for other charges. It's basically... I mean, it was designed for use by Tesla users and it's been taken over by non-Tesla users. And it is literally just starting at A, finishing at B. These are the potential charges on the way and it will take into account elevation and wind um, and road conditions and all that sort of stuff. It's a, it's a good piece of functionality, but it's not in the same area as PlugShare and ZapMap. Both of those are good little apps which fill a niche and we'll put links to them in the notes. So let's wrap it up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing you've come across that we can share with our listeners. My one this week is electric charger manufacturer ABB has received an order for 324 additional 350 kilowatt electric vehicle chargers from Ionity. The chargers are to be rolled out across 24 countries by the end of 2020. Um, so end of this year, we can we can now say that um, as part of the second phase of its network expansion. So ABB was commissioned in 2018 as a technology partner to deliver 340 high powered chargers to Ionity. So those discussions we were having towards the end of 2019, what's Ionity doing next? It appears they're going to roll out quite a substantial rollout of these high powered units across this year. Now, there wasn't really too much of a breakdown in terms of the UK or anything like that, but you've got to hope that you know, there's a portion of that 320 uh, four that will come to the UK, bearing in mind they've started to pop up in, um, you know, like Milton Keynes, Peterborough Services, they're, they're going in there at the moment. If, if I was a, a betting man, I, I think, you know, bearing in mind if they're going into Peterborough Services, I'm wondering if we start to see them 
more in motorway services than anywhere else. I would be very disappointed if we didn't see um, a reasonable number of those 324 coming over here. As we've always discussed on this podcast, one of the things that we need to ensure is that we have at any location a number of chargers that are available to use. And you you know as well as I do that when you go to Ionity, there's usually a minimum of two and ideally there's four in any location. So, you know, if they pick half a dozen locations in the UK, put four of them in each of uh, each of those, that's 24 out there and there's 300 left for the rest of Europe. I could deal with that. Yeah, we don't ask for much really, do we? <laughs> <laughs> My cool thing today comes from the US. In January, the International Code Council who, to be honest, I've never heard of, but we'll go with it. The International Code Council approved changes to building standards that will make all new homes built in the US EV ready. Homes in the US are typically built for 120 volt electricity, but they generally have one 240 volt outlet in the garage, typically for using or for powering a washer and dryer. The new standard calls for panels, outlets and conduits capable of charging at least one full-size EV in a single-family garage overnight. Now, this won't happen immediately. The voluntary standards go in place now. They'll probably be adopted by the end of this year and it will then probably take around another six months after that to become a generally accepted standard that's put in place. But there is a financial incentive to do this. The US needs 9.6 million new EV charge points by 2030. Retrofitting an existing house can cost $3,500, whereas adding the same components during construction is a little over $900. So there's a considerable saving to be made by putting that in place during the construction rather than later. It's all good news. And we can only hope that similar provisions come into place in the UK and other countries too. Can I just take you back to that previous sentence? The US needs 9.6 million new EV charge points by 2030. Let's just think about that for a moment when we was just asking for 24 Ionity chargers across the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're all they're home charging uh, well, points yes. as well. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Although it doesn't actually say what the breakdown is between how many of those 9.6 million are public charges and how many are home charges. But <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we need, I mean, we all know we, we need way more than we've got already. Yes. Shall we say? And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, Simon is at the EV side on both Twitter and YouTube. And I'm the real Gary C on Twitter. If you want to contact us, use either of those or our own EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent. And it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it raises our visibility, and especially if it's a nice five-star review, and it helps other people discover our podcasts. And that's all for today. So thanks for listening. Bye-bye now.